The book of Isaiah, starting in chapter 58. This chapter is pretty cool. It It's basically saying, explaining to people, to you and me, how the, our, the, our fallen ways are fallen, they're, they're not correct, and why we don't hear from him more clearly, that we're not blessed by him more. Uh, or another another way of looking at it is how to come into his grace, into uh, his mercy. Um, he says, you know, there's a way that I call people to, and he's, he's crying out, you people are not living according it. You're living according to my sins, according to your sins. You you fast and fast, and then you wonder why uh, you're not, you know, I'm not blessing you because you fasted. He said, do you think I'm impressing with your fasted? You're, you're fasting, and he gives examples. He says, you've got your people in your fields working like dogs, and, and you come to me fasting and think that's okay. Well, you're, you're not really fasting from the world. They're doing your work for you, and you're sitting here fasting. I, I'm not impressed by that. You're not pulling away from the world and seeking me because they're still at work for you in the world. He says, your your desire is great wealth and your people are still working on that wealth for you while you say you're fasting. I'm not impressed that you're seeking me and, and not eating while you're still driving to get what you want. The whole idea of fasting is to, um, to break away from the needs of the flesh so that you're guided by your spirit, by God's spirit, and not by your flesh. And when you're doing you know, fasting in this way, but not in that other major way, you're not really fasting. I'm not impressed by that. He says, if instead you start living your life for others instead of for yourself, that I will consider a fast. Because now you're breaking away from the desires of your flesh and you're living for others. You're living for me because you've given up your rights to yourself and you're living for others. He said, now that I will be impressed by. So he says in six, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? He said, I've got a, a purpose for mankind and you're not living according to it. You're living according to your own ways and not my ways. I want you, you, if you're trying to seek me and act like you're for my ways, then I want you to be raised up in me and then be able to help others break free of the way of the world so that they can come up in me. But instead, you're living according to your own way. He gives some examples of that, of helping the, uh, the homeless, the needy. He says, don't hide from those who need your help. And then in 8, he turns to giving a promise. He says, if you're living according to my way, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, 
Then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places. So he says, if you live according to my way, I will raise you up above all these difficulties. You'll no longer be living for yourself. You'll be living for my way, but I will guide you in that way, and it will be a blessing. A one and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The It's interesting that that picture, and it's, it's with a lot of the pictures of God. You know, we go to the house of God, we are the house of God. We're, we're to be gardeners in his garden. We are the garden. And so what is a good garden? A good garden produces fruit, and that fruit can feed others, right? And so... here's that picture that he wants us to be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail so that we have fruit to eat and water to drink living waters for those who come and are hungry and thirsty and he says in 12 those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins you will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the streets in which to dwell So he's saying, you who come this way, this way that I'm calling you to, you are going to build back up the ancient way and my city, my glorious Zion, Jerusalem in heaven will be restored and you will be the builders and you will be a help to all my people because that is what I need, a people that represent me in the earth. It's interesting the difference in people today, starting uh, 13 and 14 to end the chapter. He's talking about honoring the Sabbath. And and back then it was more likely that people wouldn't be dishonoring the Sabbath by working. They were, you know, they wanted to work to have more wealth, to have more security. And nowadays it's more likely for most people that we, um, you know, spend our Sabbath just kind of partying and completely, uh, you know, appeasing our flesh living for our flesh for ourselves uh, rather than seeking the Lord and um, so you know this is about um, you know Paul Paul uh, makes clear I think a couple times in his epistles that um, if if Sabbath days are holy to you keep them holy unto the Lord if you declare every day is holy to you then make every day holy to the Lord. So in that way, the law points us to the reality of a life apart from the world, even apart from our old flesh and lived unto God, more so than it's about rules, do's and don'ts. So just to be clear about that, the the Sabbath was obviously, it's probably the most highlighted of all the laws that uh, is put forth and so it's brought up here as a way of turning away from the world it it means if you if you think about when when people would just spend the day working um what that implies is i believe i have it's either i need more wealth because there's just never enough or i need more security it's one of those two things right um, it's it's either just greed and lust for for things of the world, uh, which is more wealth, or it's um, or it's not trusting in God, which is more security. 
And either way, it's not believing God is sovereign in your life. It's, um, it's believing in the ways of the world and the flesh. And so when he talks about this, that's, that's what he's speaking to. That's how it directly relates to you. He says, if because of the Sabbath you turn your feet or your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. So he says, if you turn your life from the ways of the world and live according to my life, let me raise you up with a new wisdom that's foreign from your own ways, your own pleasures, your own word. Then I will give you a new word. I will give you new pleasures. I will give you new life. And I will bless you with these ancient ways. And you will be one who is able to share the glory and wisdom and love of the Lord to others for me. And then we're on to 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear, and your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. So he's saying, I hear you. I'm fully capable of pulling you out of the mess that you're in. And I know everything that's going on. But because you've made agreement with sin, you've cut me off from helping you. And I can't help you if your heart is to go the way of sin. I, I told a, an, an example in our, our fellowship uh, recently, week, week and a couple of days ago. Um, uh, something, someone who, you know, I have spiritual authority over, but I was not able to remove some evil from this life because I had made agreement with a small request, which certainly no one would call that thing a sin um, if it were just some other thing, if it were not coming from an entity which should not have been there. Um, but because I had made agreement with that thing, I had no authority. I'd given up my authority just as Adam and Eve gave up their authority in the garden over the world when they made agreement with Satan to eat the fruit when the Lord had said not to eat the fruit. Because I had made an agreement with this thing, I had no authority to remove this thing. And so that had to come, the Lord had to bring that into the light in order for me to repent. And then the thing was so easily removed, it was like nothing. Um, all of a sudden, the blood of Christ worked again because I was no longer in agreement with this thing. Um, and that's just a recent example we've talked about, so I, I brought it up here. But, um, but you know, mostly we think about this with our own life. Um, when we live according to our own ways, we cut off the work of God in our life. I actually saw a video a couple of days ago of a guy robbing a store. He came in, these two women were in the store and he's robbing the store and they quickly left the store and he's robbing the store. And as they left, they, uh, they locked the door. It looked like it must've been inner city cause there were like bars on the walls, on the windows. And uh, he, 
And so, you know, he comes in, he robs the place. As he's trying to leave, he realizes they locked the door when they left. And then he starts praying. Well, <laughs> you're robbing the store. Do you think your prayers are any good? This man could have spent his whole day staying at home, seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, I, you know, I don't know the guy's needs. What, I don't know his story. Um, but I know he decided to go rob other people instead of spending his day praying to the Lord. But once he decides to rob the people and then he starts praying to the Lord, well, you've kind of invalidated any possibility of the Lord <laughs> stepping in on your behalf. You're not living according to his ways. You're living according to your ways. And then once you realize your ways don't work, then you want him to come into it. Well, that's not how it works. That's not how he works. You are living according to Satan's authority. You are being directed by Satan. You're being directed by your flesh, which has fallen. And under the, the authority of the ruler of the air of this world. And when you live according to that way, you've invalidated, God gives you free will. You've invalidated the power of the Lord to move in your life. And so it's not that he, like, he is sovereign and he is all powerful. He could absolutely show up in such ferocity that we all bow down and we all do what we say because we know without a shadow of a doubt that we take one wrong step and we're eviscerated. Like, he could do that, but he doesn't want a bunch of robots. He doesn't want a bunch of people that tremble in fear and only do what he wants because we will be evaporated if we if we make one wrong step he wants people that choose to live as his family members to choose to learn from him and grow in him and live uh, in peaceful unity with him and with others as a family of God and that has to be by choice so he will speak to us in, in our fallen state and, and call to us. And when we make decisions to come to him, he blesses us and more and more. And so more and more we're pulled out of the ways of the world and into his life. But it's a progression and we have to continually choose him. We can't sit there and say, well, I want to live according to the ways of the world, but I still want God to bless me. That's not the way it works. He says, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. So it's not that he doesn't hear. It's that he says, look, you've tied my hands. The way the rules that I've set this world up according to, you have have made lived according to a set of rules. That means I have decided I can't interfere because that would be overstepping the rules. My God's purpose is that mankind be risen up as sons of God that represent him to all creation. And if he goes beyond the rules that he set, then mankind isn't rising up. It's not a, a work of the Spirit. It's a work of overwhelming force. And he, he wants the work of the Spirit of Christ in us to raise us up to represent him. And so he won't overstep his bounds. He says, these people, their works are works of iniquity and an act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. They do not know the way of peace and there is no justice in their tracks. 
They have made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. We can see this all around us in the world today. But he is calling those who will put all that aside and seek him in the still small place. And will know peace and will know righteousness. And he will raise you up. He gets on to give more examples of, you know, just people going their own ways and then hoping for justice, hoping for salvation. But it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. I think I've hammered that point, so I'm not going to keep doing it. But again in 14, he said, by, by living according to our own ways, the ways of the world, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice and he saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede then his own arm brought salvation to him. So it says when the, you know, the world is shaking with evil and it seems like even if you try to turn towards him, you're going to be prey, you're going to be attacked. He will make a way. He will provide salvation. And his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate. Paul loves to quote this. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle according to their deeds. So he will repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. So if you read this, and I'm constantly trying to show how scripture speaks directly to you. But if you read this and Paul hadn't quoted it, you would think obviously this is talking about Jesus, which it is. But Paul obviously quotes it as speaking to you and I. And so there you go. It's to you and I. He provides a way to overcome as a warrior every way of the enemy and every way of the world. I apologize. It's, uh, it's almost 6.30 on a Saturday morning and my wife just got up. Often during my recordings I start at the kitchen table and if my wife gets up before I'm done I move to the guest room. Um, and I did that today also, <laughs> but I spilled my water on the way, I had to clean that up, and now I don't remember where I was, so I'm going to do my best, and I might, might be a little disjointed, but here we go. Okay, I'm going to start in 9. Up until 9, it's just talking about walking in the ways of the world, in the ways of our own flesh, and our own human wisdom gets us nowhere. It's just, it's crooked paths, and it, it mentions all sorts of destruction and devastation. Therefore, 9, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness, for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. So he's saying, because we're not guided by the wisdom of the Lord, we're walking aimlessly, confused, and, and you know, growl like bears. We have... Uh, difficulties for salvation is far from us our transgressions are multiplied before us and our sins testify against us we are walking beholden to the ruler of the air to satan instead of to god because we walk according to those ways instead of his ways he wants us to be washed by the blood of jesus and to be brought up in his wisdom in his ways walk according to his spirit because in 13 we've been turning away from our god speaking oppression and revolt Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the street. 
whoops, I just came up to stuff I remember I talked about earlier. Okay, so, yeah, so here's the, you know, the helmet of salvation, the garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. So Paul understood that we are called to be sons of God after the pattern of Jesus. So this, which would have been clearly a messianic verses, messianic section of Isaiah, Paul understood, hey, this applies to all of us that follow after that way. And so now that it's in the New Testament, and he's clearly saying that we should do this, we don't think of it as messianic. But that that's how we should read these things. If we are to completely die to the world, die to our own flesh, and live for him, we're supposed to be raised up after the pattern of Jesus. And then he will be our protection, both our, our armor and our sword, our are overcoming our adversaries. Uh, 18, according to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the coastlands he will make recompense, so they will fear the name of the Lord from the west. So all the spiritual entities that come against us, that are difficulties, I mentioned one earlier in, in my life here recently, um, he helps us overcome them all. We just have to give ourselves completely to him, so that he has full sovereignty in our life. And then, when he has full sovereignty in our life, he will overcome every spirit that comes against us. Verse 20, A Redeemer will come to Zion into those who turn from transgression in Jacob. So a Redeemer, obviously Jesus, he will come to Zion, to his people who have come up his holy mountain, and to those who turn from the transgression of Jacob. Those who turn away, who realize that the, the people of God have kind of gone their own way, that Jacob is Israel, people of God, and say, and say, you know what, I'm not going to go those ways. I'm going to come up the holy mountain, Zion. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. So he's saying, when you come up my holy mountain, this kingdom that is to come and to be ever extending, when you commit yourself fully to me, then this will be a continual growing blessing in your children and your children's children. This should be the way that family is, not the way fallen family has been up till now. This is a promise of God. This is, this is the glory of his kingdom come forever. And then we're on to chapter 60. My dad used to always wake me up saying, rise and shine. <laughs> I don't think he knows that he was quoting scripture. But that's how uh, chapter 60 starts. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people's. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. So look, look around, and you see all the darkness. And again, it's, it's just going to be more and more. But the glory of the Lord of Zion will rise up in the midst of all this. Uh, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. He will lift up a people that fully represent him, so that the people of the world can see, whoa, I don't want a part of this darkness anymore. I want to come to the light, the way of God. And those people that have given themselves totally to this purpose will be used to bring the light of God to them. 
Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be carried in their arms. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will thrill and rejoice. So again, this just speaks of lifting up your eyes, looking to the ways of the Lord and not the ways of the world, the darkness around you. And look, what will happen? Your sons and daughters are coming back to you. It's like all of a sudden there's there's reunification. There's there's wonder, peace, and joy, and, and you know the goodness of life all of a sudden is being restored when you turn your eyes to the Lord. And then, because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you, the wealth of nations will come to you. He will bless you. When you live according to his way, he will bless you. Don't, you know, don't get caught up in thinking this is about earthly things because he, his blessings are far greater than things of the earth. He blesses in ways that he takes care of your earthly needs. So when you live completely for him, you have no reason to worry about those things. But the blessings he offers are far greater than earthly needs. God says in 7, I shall glorify my glorious house. I will put my glory on my people. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like the doves to their latices? Surely the coastlands will wait for me and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar. I'm bringing sons from every part of the world up to me. They'll fly in the clouds. They will. They will be. They will live in my spirit according to my ways, above the ways of this world. Their silver and their gold with them for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because He has glorified you. You see Jesus bringing many sons from the earth into His way, into His life. Because he made a way to overcome this world for all those who willingly take up our cross and follow him. This middle section, he just gives a lot of examples of just hard to believe wonder and blessing because you have become the Lord's, him raising you up and actually turning the ways of the world who've kind of been against you because it's ruled by Satan um, all of a sudden seeming to work for you because people who have a heart for the Lord are, are coming to the Lord and there's just blessing increasing because you have given yourself to that purpose and he is bringing about this blessing in Zion. 14, and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you an everlasting pride. So he's pulled you, he said, I, I had to take you through difficulties in order for for the, you know, the ways of the world, the ways of your own fallen flesh to be stricken from you, to be pulled and ripped out of your life so that I could make you an everlasting pride, a joy from generation to generation. You will also suck the milk of nations, suck the breast of kings. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. You will live for me and my purposes and nothing else. And you will be glorified, filled with awe and wonder at all of my ways. All of my wisdom and love will be yours. In 17, instead of bronze, I will give, bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make peace your administrators and righteousness your overseers. So he's saying, I will give... I, I will get, like, he created everything. I will give you everything needed in order for peace and righteousness to reign. Because that is my purpose for mankind. 
that peace and righteousness reigns in the world, that my wisdom and love are known in the world. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your wall salvation and your gates praise. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. So this is, uh, in the end of Revelation, this, this picture is repeated by John, or seen by John and shared. So it won't even be the sun that you're dependent on. The light of the Lord will shine so brightly. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and the days of your mourning will be over. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. The smallest one will become a clan, and the least one a mighty nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. He's bringing about this beautiful kingdom, this reality of his everlasting glory. For those who choose him, he's he's bringing this about, and really this kind of speaks to a time when it's just all-encompassing. But we are approaching that. I don't know how long that takes, but that this has started in little small ways and it's growing and growing. So he's calling you to come into this place, that it grows even more, that it that it conquers and, and the glory of the Lord shines so mightily that, that it is available to everyone who chooses him. And uh, that's it for the day. God bless you.